Hola, amigas. Mi nombre es Rita Bautista, and I am the founder of the Latina Podcasters Network, a platform created to globally amplify the voices of Latinas who podcast. I started my company because I wanted to hear the voices of my community and my people reflected back into my ears. Well, this podcast is dedicated to all of those dreamers and founders who decided that they also wanted to take a chance on themselves and create something for their community. In Empodera Latina, you'll hear stories from CEOs to social media experts, moms, tech company owners, and leaders from across the world that are all Latinas here to share their stories with you weekly. Stay tuned. everybody. We're back for another episode of Empodera Latina. I'm your host, Rita Bautista, the founder of the Latina Podcasters Network. And today I have a special treat for you all. I am joined by Ana La Madrid, who is a Venezuelan-born East Coast-bred actor living in Los Angeles. Ana, muchas gracias por estar aquí conmigo. Thank you so much for being here with me. It is an honor to have you on. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. Thank <laughs> you. Latina. Yes, yes. So Empodera Latina, for all of you who are listening, this is our second episode, is an, is a podcast that's dedicated to just that, right? Offering stories of empoderamiento de la mujer latina and Latinx community members who are also joining us. We are all inclusive, but obviously with a feminine touch. So today, I'm really excited to um, talk to Anna because she worked on this project that was insanely phenomenal as we just are moving past or getting past the pandemic um, and moving towards more of an opening of the country. And, uh, you know, it's called the Oxy Complex. Now, for those of you who are still feeling a little nostalgic or looking for some connection or wanting to learn more about how you just felt, I feel like Anna's performance in the Oxy Complex is really kind of just going to bring this all full circle. So Anna, tell me a little bit about your character in the Oxy Complex and what the Oxy Complex is actually about. The Oxy Complex was uh, originally created while I was in grad school. And at that point, it was just like a 15 minute exploration. We had to do like a solo piece our second year in grad school. And I was really interested in how technology was kind of like hacking our dating um, because of these apps and um, making us, especially women, feel really competitive and jumping into relationships and becoming intimate with guys that we didn't really know that weren't really good matches. And so uh, oxytocin gets released, you become attached to these people, then they ghost you and you're like on this perpetual cycle of modern dating. Um, and it's like, the drug is coming from the inside. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's being released without me asking it to be released. I don't want to get attached. Um, so I was really struggling with this idea of how do you become a self-possessed, sexually free woman um, when our biology doesn't allow us to do that? And also like how unfair and competitive and exhausting uh, online dating was. So that was the the 15 minute seed. Um, 
I'm a member of IAMA Theater Company, and we had our season completely planned before the pandemic hit, and we had to quickly pivot. And our artistic director, Stephanie Black, was like, you know, I think we should really do a virtual solo show season and, and try to look for BIPOC voices, underrepresented voices that we can showcase. Um, they had never really done solo shows before. And I jokingly, girl, I threw it out. I was like, you know, I wrote this little 15 minute thing in school and stuff was like, let me see it. And I was like, I mean, you know, it's trash. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And she watched it and she was like, no, I think you need to expand this. I I think it would be really great for you to expand this. So I'm really grateful that she pushed me in that direction because as we were experiencing this loneliness of quarantine, I started to think about what happens when oxytocin gets cut off and we're dealing with somebody who's going through withdrawal and what does that look like? Um, And so I went into a a deep dive of researching um, how it affects our attachment styles, how it affects men and women differently, and just really thinking about how this time is a time to break generational trauma and come um, to a sense of feeling worthy of love and also maybe forgiving ourselves a little bit for why relationships don't work out because the odds are kind of stacked against us with technology and our nurturing. I love that. I mean, and it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> so yeah. That's another thing. Not it's so serious. Comedy. Guys. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> I just like went there, but just know I'm also going to make you laugh. Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting, right? Like I'm single. I, I've worked through everything you just said. I felt trigger, 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 yeah. red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> so I'm like modern day data right here. So I get it right. Especially during the time of COVID, I decided to take all the apps off my phone because I was like, first of all, I'm not about to be locked in a house. Second of all, somebody could walk in my house and then just like kill me right off bat because yeah. we didn't know what was going on. Right. So it's like, that fear, that anxiety, but the loneliness creeps in at some point. And then you're just trying to figure out all of these, like, why do I want to be overly nurturing? Why am I freaking out? What is going on? So I'm really excited that you had a chance to work on this project because it seems as though, and maybe it's just my circle, but Latinas in general are growing in education and we're working through breaking these generational trauma bonds and we're healing through all of this, but at the same time, marriage is getting pushed back more and more and more and more. And then we have las abuelas, las tías, uh-huh. las hermanas. Everybody's like, um, what's going on? Yes. Right? And I think that that's something that um, being bicultural is something that also isn't necessarily put on the landscape of media, you know, I think shows like Vida and One Day at a Time were the first representations of of seeing that struggle of like, how do you navigate between, you know, the culture that that your mom brought up was brought up in versus this idea of being like an Americanized, you know, free woman and the guilt that comes with that. And so I do kind of represent that point of view of like somebody who's pushing you to settle down and maybe not be with somebody who's the best match for you. And this idea of you feeling like, no, I have to be whole first. Like I'm not ready for that kind of dysfunctional relationship that you're pushing me towards because now we have access to like, I don't need to financially be attached to a guy in order to make it right to like live the way that maybe my mom's generation had to. 
So it's, it's tough because you feel like you're letting people down. Especially in a culture that doesn't allow for us to put ourselves first. Like self-love is on the back burner after college, job, money, um, paying your parents back, mm-hmm. right? We, we, before we got onto the interview, we were talking about this like immigrant debt, right? Like that, that concept of how do we pay back or pay forward the gift that they gave us by coming here. Yep. And, you know, it's a very challenging space to be in. And so it's, it's awesome that you're talking about the ability to do that in, in general, just like, no, I have to put myself first and I have to work through all these demons before not even demons, but just like all of these things that are placed or put right in front of me and, and working in two communities and two cultures. Yeah. It's these uh, stories and narratives that we tell ourselves that kind of keep us bound. Um, and you know, I struggle it. There's also this idea that in order to be a good immigrant, you know, you have to be people pleasing, right? You can't let people down. You have to show up. And so I still sometimes struggle with saying no. And I feel like this last year being in quarantine, I've, I'm really just starting to draw a line, you know, cause if I have a client or somebody who wants to work with me and I'm exhausted, sometimes I'll be like, oh, fine, I'll do it. You know, as opposed to like, maybe you need to rest. Um, and there's this whole movement about resting being like radical, right? Especially for people of color who aren't allowed to rest. Um, and so I'm really starting to um, embrace that part of it, you know, that it's okay. You know, I've, I was talking to a white friend of mine and um, I was like, I don't know what your life looks like. Like, you know what I mean? She's like, I went to the beach or I went this and I'm like, I don't leave my house. Like I'm working 10, 12 hour days. And she was like, wait, you don't have like a day where you don't do nothing. And I was like, no, you know, I feel like I'm wasting time. And so it's not wasting time to take care of yourself. And I think that's the, the reframing that I'm starting to do for myself because nobody taught me that. Yeah. I I don't think that like, maybe this might be true. I'm not sure for you, but I'm working on this personally is like setting better boundaries for myself because for us culturally setting boundaries and saying no is almost a slap in the face or yeah. like not being um it being disrespectful yeah for sure so how are you reclaiming your your space um you know the more you start saying no the, the easier it starts to become and you know it's hard for us i, I don't you're a business owner i'm a business owner and it's just like sometimes it can be all consuming. And I'm also somebody that gets re-energized by work that I find fulfilling. Um, And I'm grateful enough that with my company put me on self-tape that I've been able to find something that actually fires me up and makes me excited, but that's a double-edged sword, right? So um, I'm, I'm learning. You got to take it day by day. That's all I can, you know, cause I'm always like, well, once this happens then I'll be able, but it's like, no, Anna, you're always going to want to, to go to that next level and do something else, you know? Yeah. So what does that next level look like for you? Um, personally, I mean, with my business, um, we are launching an educational arm of, so put me on self tape as an audition and self tape studio in LA. And with COVID, when COVID happened, I had to shut down the studios and we kind of pivoted to teaching classes online, which was really great at a time when 
we all needed community and especially actors who were sort of like displaced and scared about what was happening in the industry. Um, and so now we're creating online evergreen courses that can be accessible to all actors at a lower price. Um, and we're going to be creating BIPOC scholarships because I think a lot of times actors of color are priced out of good training, which leads to them not being cast, which leads to like a lack of representation in the media. So um, I'm really interested in, you know, I, I have a huge student loan debt from my grad school, but and I'm grateful for that experience, but you know, I think as actors, that's a, you don't want to walk around with that amount of debt in your life. Um, so if thank I can you for help being, alleviate that, you know, yeah, I was I'm say, thank you for being that. vulnerable and talking about your debt, because, you know, I think a lot of people too, almost feel as though it's like a, a weight, but it everyone is. carries around it. Everybody has debt. And until we actually start normalizing the conversation of having debt and how to move past having debt, you know, we're going to still see it as a taboo. Yeah. And, you know, los trapos sucios se lavan en la casa, but not anymore. <laughs> we need to start talking about it more. You so that bring, we start, bring out the trapos, okay? Bring out Everybody the trapos. Everybody's going to see those trapos sucios. <laughs> Para lavarlos todos juntos. And that's how yeah. we develop more of a bigger community to like yeah. progress, right? And, and say no. <laughs> But, you know, I'm interested. Let's go back a little bit because your background's pretty interesting, too. So where were you born? I was born in Venezuela, Caracas. Caracas. My mom's Colombian. Um, we came to the U.S. when I was eight years old. And then um, my parents split when I was 11, 12. And then, um, you know, I think my mom kind of went through this period of like rediscovering what she missed out from like having been married at 13, 14. Um, you know, she was like going out dancing and doing all this stuff. So, um, you know, I lived in Germany for a year with my sister. Then I came back and moved in with my mom and then went back to North Carolina. So I, I went to five different high schools and, um, was just constantly the new kid in school <laughs> mm -hmm. before I, you know, went to undergrad and like left home and was able to like find groundedness. But I think, you know, especially for immigrants, this idea of home is something that we always feel displaced anywhere we go because, you know, ni de aquí ni de allá. Mm -hmm. um, and I so, movie, by the way, yeah. <laughs> India Maria doesn't get any credit anymore. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that's why I gravitated towards art because in some ways stories when they're really powerful are universal, you know, and it doesn't matter the lens from which the story was created. It's just human experience. What do you think has been the most powerful part of your story? Uh, my, my life story or the show story? <laughs> your life story. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I think I'm still living it. Um, but I'm really grateful that I had the courage to let go of, um, a traditional life and like pursue the arts because I was working at Cartoon Network, you know, like I had a corporate job. I had graduated grad school, I mean, undergrad and was going into marketing and advertising, you know, and I was doing it. Um, 
And I just felt a calling for something different. You know, I've always kind of been an entertainer when I was young. My dad um, used to be a, a DP and uh, in Venezuela worked for the, the channel Venevision, uh, I believe it was. And so it was, it's always been in me to be an artist. But again, you come to the country and it's like, well, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer oh, yeah. or this. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to negotiate and I'm going to go to undergrad, but I'm going to be in marketing, which is creative. Um, and so I, I just kind of let it all go. And I, and I feel, I, you know, it's tough, obviously. But when I think about what my life could have been versus the experiences and the people that I've met and the stories that I've gotten to tell, I wouldn't trade the struggle for, for those experiences. And in what way do you think that there, where's the connection between the character that you play in Oxycomplex and Anna right now, like in present day? Um, there are, th there are three versions of the character in the show, in the, in the show, there is a version of her in real time experiencing the pandemic, you see her in the past, and then you see this idea of like Viviana in the void. And that's like, the higher consciousness that you don't normally connect to, but it's like your essence. And, you know, I think it's the one that can look back and be like, oh, I have perspective on that now. And I feel like I'm somewhere between that, you know, like that's my goal ultimately. And sometimes we fail, um, but it is that kind of, um, when you align yourself with your third eye, right? And you're just mm -hmm. like clear, there's clarity there. So yeah, hopefully I can maintain that spot. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for binge-friendly podcasts created by Latinas or Latinx voices like yours and mine? Latinapodcasters.com is the largest platform globally amplifying the voices of Latina podcasters. To find your newest addiction in self-help, spirituality, religion, sexuality, and so much more, go to latinapodcasters.com. There are over 70 podcasts for you to listen to. And if you're a podcaster, you can also add your podcast to the directory. Go to latinapodcasters.com for more information. It sounds like, are you, have you worked towards that higher, like connecting to your consciousness or the higher consciousness? Have you been working through that? And how did the oxycomplex help you or hinder that? Um, you know, therapy is a good thing. Um, so definitely have been in and out of therapy for years, but have been consistently in therapy since um, the pandemic began. Um, it's interesting uh, what happens when you write something and then you have to take off your writer hat and start building the character. And I started to see things that I didn't necessarily think about when I wrote it, but um, that were just such a powerful discovery as an actor when I started to thread moments. And um, I mean, I'll give away a little bit, but I think it's important. Um, there's a scene where um, the mother character kind of announces to the children that um, she's getting, she's moving away from the husband, right? So like, it's a divorce. Mm -hmm. And I've always seen it as a moment of victimhood, right? Like this is the moment where she loses everything. And as we were rehearsing, I might start crying. Um, I just, 
it hit me for the first time that this was a moment where the mother is actually modeling putting herself first and deciding that she's not going to sit there and allow somebody to perpetually um, cheat on her and you know that she wasn't going to stay for the family that she couldn't be there for the family if she wasn't there for her first and like when i wrote that scene i did not think about that angle at all and then as we were rehearsing it i was like oh my god like this is the 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 double-edged sword right this is the gift and the curse and it can happen all in one moment and so that to me is like such an important moment of like breaking generational curse you know like in that moment i was able to say like no i'm i'm doing exactly what i'm supposed to be doing by picking myself first well that's so beautiful is there any connection there with that with that mother figure to the experience that your mom had yeah i mean i, I it's funny cuz solo shows can be so vulnerable um, and, and you're like thinking, oh my God, people are going to sit here and think that this is like my complete life story. And so then you try to like edit it. Cause you know, I'm a Scorpio. So also like, I don't want you to know all my business. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, it was great to like separate the name, you know, like Viviana is not Anna. And, you know, I pull from my mom's experiences from my aunt's experience from women in my life. Um, so it's, so that it, it's specific, but again, becomes universal. And, you know, I had um, my director and the assistant uh, stage manager, they were all women. Um, and, you know, it was like a black woman, a white woman and two Latinas. And I felt like when I did a scene and I heard them respond or be like, no, I get that. I was like, great. It's not just like a Latina will get it right. It's like everyone can connect to these experiences really great that you were able to showcase all of those women in general in in you know this in this piece in this in this work of art that you have created how is there a difference between working with a team of women and working with a team of of men or a mixed team I mean we had um our sound designer John was incredible mm -hmm. um but he wasn't in the rehearsal room. And I think that there is um, something special about trusting the collaborator that you're working with. Um, and especially um, with such a personal experience about like love and sex and what it does to us. You know, I don't know that I would have felt as comfortable revealing so many parts of myself in that way because you you always have to pull from yourself in order to create a complex character and like i said it was like a, a beautiful communion that we created during rehearsals because i would say something and then you know the stage manager would be like i feel that way sometimes and then she would share something personal and it was like a coven you know um so that that was really special to me that's awesome you know, I, I think throughout this experience of growing the Latina Podcasters Network and the directory out for um, showcasing talent, it's, I think people have, their ability to be nurturing has definitely personally helped me um, continue growing. Like in yeah. business, it's so challenging because for the most part, a lot of things are very rigid and have to be a certain way in order for things to move forward. And it felt it feels at least for me, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but it feels like you have like this support group that's like wanting to see you succeed even more. So like women are moving that direction away from 
cattiness and like pull down, but more like uplift and, and develop. And I don't know, was that something that you were also experiencing in, in that space? For sure. And, you know, even in, in my business, I have a, a wonderful collaborator, um, Alicia, who helped me build this membership platform for actors. And I mean, that's what we want to pay forward to other artists. It's like, you know, those moments where we felt unempowered as artists and felt really bad, like, I don't want them to have to go through this, you know, so let's arm you with the support and the tools that you need to be a healthy, thriving artist who has boundaries, who knows how to advocate for themselves. Because for so long, you know, my mental health was in jeopardy because I didn't have the tools to do that. And there could have been, there were many moments where I was like, I don't have a, there's no space for me in this thing. And the oxy complex would have never happened if I had given up on myself. So I don't, I don't want other people to experience feeling like they're not valuable as storytellers. Oh, the value <laughs> complex, the I'm not enoughness. Yes. Imposter syndrome. I feel like that is a underlining, like in every podcast interview I've ever done with women, it always feels like imposter syndrome is at like the core of things. And no matter how much work you've done on yourself or how many years you've been in business, there's always that little tiny bit of imposter syndrome or the I'm not enoughness mm-hmm. factor. What do you do to work at that? How do you go about working at the imposter syndrome? This is a really good thing. Um, and I, I'm going to go back to my mom um, because. I remember this conversation, I think I was like 20, ah, 23 or something. And she said, you know, I watched a lot of women skip ahead of me in career because I never thought I knew enough to do the job. And so she was like, my mom's an amazing seamstress. She makes patterns. She's made wedding dresses. I mean, incredible. And she kind of stayed working at a factory for a really long time. And people would try to like poach her to run a factory and she wouldn't do it. And she was like, I watched women who knew less than me take those jobs. And so she was like, if you're scared to do it, just do it because you'll learn on the job. And half the time it's like, I already knew it. I just didn't believe that I knew it, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And even in like, opening up a self-tape studio and coaching, you know, I really dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome because I, I was getting theater awards, but I wasn't booking TV and film work until much later. And so again, I, I was like, well, who am I? Who's going to trust me? Who's, you know, all these things. And I discredited the 10 years of like training that I had in my, because I couldn't show and say, well, I'm a series regular on this thing, you know, that, mm-hmm. Um, having visibility and being booked on a TV show has nothing to do with your talent and your knowledge. There's so many things that are out of our control. And so I just had to leap and say, there's going to be a space for me. I'll land somewhere, you know? So yeah, just do it even when you're scared. (laughs) Yeah. And it seems to be a very common um, theme is like, just keep doing it and then you'll get comfortable at some point. But what has been to this day your favorite either show or um, theater uh, performance that you've been involved in that you can say, okay, this is my favorite? That's really hard. Um, <laughs> but 
one of, uh, you know, because my acting teacher will be like, in your career, you'll be able to have five experiences that are the best. Um, so I will say I have two right now. Um, I did um, Tanya Saracho's show in Frascada in New York, which, you know, that's how I met her. And now she's like an incredible showrunner and, you know, creating all these incredible stories for film and TV. But, you know, I met her when she was doing theater in Chicago. And again, it was an all female cast and there was such a sisterhood and it was so much fun. And it was the first time that I was given the opportunity to play like a bicultural, you know, I felt somebody that was really close to me. Like I didn't have to change the way that I spoke or anything like that. I could just have fun in the world that she created. And then my other experience was when I first moved to LA and I got cast in Collective Rage, which is um, again, five women um, all about like female identity. And it, we started rehearsals like, two weeks after Trump had been elected. And, you know, we were all really raw and kind of reckoning with what that meant for us women. And I just found that community like so helpful to get me through those first few months because I just felt so defeated, you know, and here we were talking about pussy power and all that stuff. <laughs> um, and I was like, yes, let's like recollect ourselves and pick ourselves back up but we created a really strong community during those months of rehearsal community is so important especially when you know you're working in those spaces and i love that that is part of also like almost this entire you know ripping open of like when like you said talking about the pussy powers like yeah. you know these taboo things but at the same time you're like working with other people together to like have this moment and that that's your favorite is is really exciting <laughs> speaking of your professional experience why did you describe yourself as a late bloomer yes um because everything i started was late <laughs> <laughs> you know i i started school early and i graduated early but then i kind of went into this marketing career so like i didn't really start acting or even pursuing acting till i was like in my mid 20s which you know a lot of people are like, well, that's when actresses start being put to pasture, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like at, when you turn 28, your career's over. And I'm glad that things are changing. But for such a long time, that was my Achilles heel. You know, if you don't know how many times I cried about like, am I too old for this? What if I'm too old? And I'm grateful that I look young. But then it was like trying to hide my age and Oh, it was just so exhausting, you know, to be like, well, I can't give out that reference because then they're going to know I was born in this year. You know what I mean? Or like, how do I tell somebody that I went to high school but not give them the years so they can't figure it out? And it was like, it was just the amount of time you spend in your head trying to negotiate was was insane. Um, so, you know, I just kind of had to let that go and trust that, you know, there's space for storytellers of all ages. And um, especially now where this like, new wave of of um showing older women in the media you know uh the stuff that gina davis is doing with her foundation it's like it gives me it gives me hope that i don't have to be this like 23 year old beautiful woman in order to have a career you know what's really sad about that is that the definition of beauty mm -hmm. is defined by every single person differently but we allow the media to define beauty As for us as well as young. Yeah. 
young and fair skin for the most part, right? I mean, I think even in in Latino and Latinx or the the Latino community, like Univision and Telemundo, they all suffer from like very much so European complex. And it's it's very hard and challenging for those people who are of you know Afro Latinx or Afro Latino uh, communities and cultures that are like, hey, you know what? I'm getting tired of not being represented here. I know growing up in the states here, our experience and our family, we are we have Afro Latino in our family, and like we have never they were never a fan of ex- of talking about it for the longest time. It was oh, always wow. like let's hide all of this stuff because this isn't acceptable in certain parts of the community and to make it easier for you guys to ascend or whatever. They also didn't know we were crazy and we were just going to go and do it anyway. But, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's kind of sad because our definition of beauty in our family is something completely different. Right. And so why not allow the people, the audience to define what beauty is versus, yeah. you know, putting people out to pasture and, you know, like killing their careers. Cause people age it's, it's just inevitable <laughs> yeah it's inevitable um and you know I get like longevity and all that stuff but it's like there's there's got to be a balance and it's also about how this country itself has an issue with discarding older people and that's something that you know if I'm going to take another mantle you know like another yeah. fight it's like how we disrespect the older generation or, or see them as useless when they have so much knowledge for us and should be respected. It's, it's pretty sad. It is sad. And especially coming from our culture where, you know, our grandparents live with us or, you know, our parents move in with us at some point, it's like, you kind of have no choice to just say yes. And, um, and we don't believe in old folks homes. <laughs> That's very true. But you know, one of the things that I kind of regret is like my, my grandma passed away when I was an undergrad. And I really wish that I had taken the time to like record her stories. And I didn't. And so I, I started doing it with my mom. And that's another solo show that I did for my third year in grad school was about how she crossed from uh, Colombia to Venezuela, illegally with my aunt. And you know, I interviewed both of them and I was like, oh, I wish I would have gotten my grandmother's point of view with all of this. Um, and now that's lost. Isn't that, I, oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> my grandmother was like my rock and she, yeah, those stories that you wish you would have captured. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so valuable too. Cause they, I mean, grandmas are like the root of the Latinas in the world, right? They they really are like it's the food, it's the the everything. They just they provide something completely different than our mothers do, and you know, yeah, yeah. <sighs> maybe so, the next, maybe your next, uh, <laughs> your next. Well, work- you know, it's interesting because my about- mom's going through this thing of like, I have a love hate relationship with Facebook because on the one hand, it makes her feel really connected to people. I mean, she's in North Carolina, I'm in LA, so I don't see her as often, Mm -hmm. but then it's become such a crux that when I am with her, I have to be like, put Facebook down and talk to me, you know, Um, because I'm really trying to excavate these stories when I'm with her. Um, So yeah, I just want to continue diving deep because it's such a rich family history. Mm -hmm. So how do you really feel about social media? (laughs) 
I mean, girl, I have a love-hate relationship with it, you know. <laughs> At some point, I, I am trying to break up with Facebook. Um, I don't log in there as much as I used to. Um, Instagram, I'm I'm active in um, because, you know, when you're a business owner, it's a good way to create community and have people know about you. But I really want to set boundaries about how much time I spend on it. Um, and usually I'm pretty good, but right before bed, I started going, I started going into deep dives and now I'm into like slime mashing videos that I don't know why, but they're so relaxing. And, you know, people are just like making popping sounds with slime. And I'm like, how am I here? But, you know, I mean, that is also a self, like a, a sense of self-love if that's what this connects you from like over consumption of things. Yeah. Right. That's true. So no shame in the game, no shame in the game, no shame in the game. And also, I mean, one of the things that uh, people I'm always reminding myself is like, remember, this is everybody's highlight reel and not their real life. Right. So like when I, especially in the past, when I would get jealous or I would be like, look at them having fun. And I'm not, you know, it's like, I don't know what happened the moment before they snapped that pic, you know, mm -hmm. they could have been in a fight or they could have been crying about something. So I just try to manage my expectations and not compare myself to other people on there. I, I love that, especially being somebody in the entertainment industry for you to say that. I think it's a very um, it's very telling of the fact that we have now moved in that direction to believe that these things that we're seeing are all 100 percent real and it has yeah. to be the way it is. And it's like mm, we don't know both sides of the story, guys. So. No. Some people are like have to post and when they don't want to, put, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's draining to be a public figure and I'm not even in that space yet. Um, but I just can't imagine what it feels like to have to be on all the time. Si eres como yo, se te hace difícil a veces ser un podcaster independiente y seguir subiendo podcasts constantemente porque no tenemos una comunidad con quien conectar. Ahora tengo la solución. Latina Podcasters Network te da conexión a comunidad de podcasters y también te da tu propia página en el directorio más grande de Latinas Podcasters en el mundo. Tenemos la plataforma que conecta con más de 70 podcasters. No esperes más. Visita latinapodcasters.com para agregarte a la plataforma más grande del mundo de podcasters amplificando las voces de latinas. So before we move into power hour, where we, we're going to ask you some rapid questions and then you cool. just have to go and answer the first thing that comes to the top of your head. All right. What's uh, one thing that you want everybody to know about OxyComplex? I want people to let themselves off the hook and forgive themselves for choices that were made in the past when you didn't have any awareness and um, to understand that there are forces outside of you that affect why we're so lonely and single. And that has nothing to do with your worth. Hmm. <laughs> but you got to watch the show to find out what those things are. <laughs> so when does the show come out and how can they see it? It um, starts streaming March 21st till April 18th. Um, you can go to IamATheater.com or Anna-Lamadrid.com to get tickets. It'll be a virtual kind of showing. So you'll have a week and you can watch the show anytime that week. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope that you laugh. I hope that you, you know, do some introspection and maybe grow a little bit. <laughs> 
And we'll also have the information for the tickets and everything in the show notes, guys. So um, please make sure to check the show notes for the links. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us and we can get you connected uh, to Anna for you to see the Oxy Complex. Yes. Awesome. Well, are you ready for Let's the rapid it. fire questions? I'm going to take a glass of water so I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and the way this works is I'm going to shoot a question out there. And you just answer whatever the first thing that comes at the top of your head. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Three, two, one. What was the last song that you listened to on Spotify? Oh, my God. I can't remember the name of the song, but I have a playlist for my plants <laughs> that I got from Latinx for uh, plants. And I love it. Plants? I just can't remember. Yeah. I play Spotify? music for my plants. Okay. That's... <laughs> no judgment. A, I no love judgment. <laughs> where in the world would you travel to right now i agree favorite meal growing up arepas arepas okay coffee or tea coffee how many cups of coffee do you drink in a day one did you have a nickname growing up oh my god (laughs) girl now you're stepping into my trauma I don't know if you know what mamones are. Yes, I do. Ojo de <laughs> mamón my... was my, because look at my eyes, girl. They're so big. Oh, my and God. And I would cry because uh, my cousins had, like, smaller eyes. So they were like, ojo de polilla y tú eres ojo de mamón. And I would be like, no, I want to be ojos de polilla. So, <laughs> ojo de mamón. <laughs> okay. Um, who is your favorite family member? Uh, That's hard. Uh, my brother um Damien because he's the closest one to me in age and um we went through a lot together what cartoon character would you have star you in the movie of your life (gasps) oh Moana oh that's a good one I'm so jealous I have a little print of it back there so if you can see it but that that blue oh yeah i got it um i went to a screening of it in at disney and they gave us prints and i was like i'm putting this up i cried so much it was so beautiful it is beautiful the, the songs to that Ugh. movie Lin Manuel forever. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last tv show or movie that you watched uh to all the boys i loved before i watched that last night I was okay. trying to see if it passed the Bechdel test. It did not. What is the Bechdel test? Um, it is this uh, test that was started uh, by a female queer writer that talks about how women should be represented in media. And it's like, there's a whole criteria. And it's like, does a woman do spend more than three lines where she doesn't talk about a guy? And if she doesn't, then that's one of the criteria to pass the Bechdel test. And I'm like, the title itself, she's talking about guys fail. Um, but yeah. Wow. You just gave me something to think about. Yeah. You look at look it up. There's like, oh, you can do a whole deep dive. But um, I was looking for it and through that lens just to see like, and I'm like, even the clips that they showed of the Golden Girls in the movie, like Blanche was talking about a guy. And I'm like, not even the clips of the... <laughs> TV show they're watching. It's the over. Be about something other than men. Yeah. Ugh. 
you're breaking my heart here. (laughs) That's okay. That just means we can move from here and change things, right? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Well, actually, second to last question. If you had to delete three apps from your phone, which ones would you delete? Well, I already deleted Facebook, so I'm very proud of myself for doing that. I was going to say, I have a feeling it's Facebook, but... I deleted Facebook. Um, What are some of the... I have a love-hate relationship with Marco Polo. That would probably be next. Because, you know, I got to pay now to upgrade, to fast forward to some of these messages. It's like, sometimes I'm like 60 deep and I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. It's three hours of my life sitting here catching up on Marco Polo's. <laughs> okay. And what's the last one? Um, let me look real quick, just so I, I feel like there's just random things that sometimes I don't even use. Like. Postmates. I don't really order Postmates, <laughs> but it's just on there just in case. So I just got to clean it up. Postmates. Groupon. You've been chopped. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last question is if tomorrow morning you walked out of your house and someone deposited $10 million in your bank account, how would you go about spending it? Um, I would just love to continue finding ways to tell stories and, you know, maybe make a feature or a film or something, a passion project and uh, reinvest it in my art. But first I'm going to travel because I feel like, you know, as immigrants, we're always like scared about money that we're never going to have enough. And it's like, when's this going to fall out from under me? And when am I going to have to struggle? And it's just like to not have to worry about that. I don't even know what to do with myself, you know? So I would need that time to like, reconnect and be like okay now that you don't have that who are you mm-hmm. and you're going to Greece first right? going to Greece first <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well Anna it has been such a pleasure to have you on today on Empodera Latina thank you Rita I had such a great time thank you so much and you guys again make sure to check the show notes so that you can get your tickets to the Oxy Complex and check out this amazing, amazing piece of work by Ana La Madrid. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Empodera Latina podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. I'm hoping that you got a chance to fill yourself up with amazing, empowering stories from Latinas like you and I. For more information on Latina Podcasters Network, go to latinapodcasters.com. We also have a directory of over 70 podcasts listed there, all made by Latina and Latinx podcasters. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and all your social media platforms. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all.